Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. The only thing better than hearing about how an organization improved their product management and innovation capability is sharing it with the everyday innovators. I'm so glad you're here listening to this too. I was talking with Teresa jurgens about innovation culture, and she shared some work she recently did with an organization that is building their ability to innovate products. The company is a B2B software developer. She took them through exercises to explore their work styles and better align their styles to the execution needed using the Innovation Z model. We discussed the tools that she used about how to do all that. Teresa is the president of Global NP Solutions. She has a PhD in chemical engineering and has advised several organizations, helping them grow by improving their new product development capabilities. And remember, as you listen to the discussion, if there's anything you want to go back to, or if you want an easy way of sharing this with others, we take detailed notes for you. You'll find those at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 303. There's also a one-page action guide you can download there to help you put these practices into action more quickly. Now, let's talk with Teresa. Teresa, thank you so much for joining the Everyday Innovators. I'm pleased to be back and talking with you again, Chad. I think normally we might talk once a year or something, and now we've talked twice in a short time period. I'm very pleased to be with you on the Everyday Innovator. That's right. You wrote a chapter contributed to the Body of Knowledge book from PDMA. And that's how we know each other through our work with PDMA primarily. And that's a very good book. And we have a different interview about that as we're doing a series through that Body of Knowledge. And as we were talking, you shared a case study with me that you had uh, recently helped a company with. And I thought this was exceptionally valuable uh, information that we should dive into a little bit deeper. And that's what we're going to do. This is built around kind of a team dimensions tool. I know it uses the Innovation Z model that we talked about in the other interview. You'll tee all this up for us, but I'm really interested to see how you help this organization really with their innovation culture, something that many organizations need. And I'll let you share the case study information and I'll jump in every now and then and ask questions. Okay, great. That's great. Yeah, so I've been working with a software development company for several years um, doing NPDP certification training with them for the new product development professional certification with PDMA. And about six years ago, their whole department was one guy and they have grown very rapidly. And now this particular innovation group is about eight people. The company has kind of doubled in size. Their their width, their their breadth of, of customers has has spread. They do software development for scheduling for salons, hair salons, and yoga studios. And so as they grew, even though they're very everybody's really open, I've done NPDP certification for probably 80% of the team. They're, they have an open culture. They're all very energetic people and, and love what they do and love their customers. It was just time, at, at some point in time, your growth becomes a point where you need to, to learn how to manage conflict, increase communication, and do more than just templates, processes, and procedures. And that's how I got interested in teams and leadership in the first place, because I had been in this business for a while and was really interested in processes, systems, and, and templates, and procedures. And I can help companies with that. The really successful ones dig deep into teams and leadership. 
So overall, I offer functional team building throughout a, a sort of a sequence of activities, starting with this team dimensions model, and then the DISC model, which we talked about in the other interview, and then it moves to five behaviors of a cohesive team, and then sustaining the team building through other activities when you really get into a project. So team dimensions, I like it because it is a very simple language. It's the terms are related to innovation terms that we're used to using. And so I think it's very helpful for teams to start improving their communication. So what happens is that in the team dimensions model, we look at the behaviors of team members and they take a, it's really short, 10, 15 minute assessment. And their behaviors come around things like spontaneity, normative behaviors, methodical behaviors, and conceptual behaviors. And so when you're very spontaneous and conceptual, you like to find new ideas. You create, you're very good at creating new ideas. And so we call the, that work style in the Team Dimensions profile a creator. Hmm. And folks that are um, spontaneous and normative, meaning they can take an idea and transform it with past experiences into those procedures and processes that we were talking about, those folks are called advancers. They focus on interactions. And then people that you can observe their behavior that is normative and methodical, they like data. They like to get in, get their hands dirty, get the work done. We call those executors. And then there's a fourth style called the refiner. And that balances behaviors between conceptual and methodical. So they can take ideas and create them into a plan. Yeah, on this topic of behaviors, so some time ago, and I, I liked how you teed this up, right, that you've been helping this organization with processes and now helping them kind of go to the next level. And you said the most successful teams really pay attention to the cohesiveness of the team, the team structure, the, the people itself and the leadership. When we look at innovation models, so many of them are process-based and they're very helpful for us. Certainly, we need to understand the processes. And I've, I've examined many of them, right? And so it's interesting to see how, you know, they, they overlap, right? We, we cover a lot of the same processes. And then there was a very different approach and it was in a book called The A to F Model of Innovation, maybe. I just remember the A to F model. But it talks about, and the letters there relate to types of personalities, people, right? Just like what you said, the, the behaviors. And I appreciate you having four <laughs> instead of eight F. The And I always kind of regarded that as the more advanced version of, of innovation. Like, okay, once you understand the processes, that's helpful. But then you need to have this right mix of people that are doing the right things. And that's what this sounds like, you know, creator, advancers, executors, refiners, having the right mix of people involved doing the right things. Yeah, and that's absolutely where where we went with this company and the case study. And it's also, if I can mention my book, The Innovation Answer Book, yeah. that's also where we start companies and, and individuals, entrepreneurs, anybody has to start learning about innovation. And that really starts with understanding strategy, which we've talked about many times before. And then as they learn, then they can start adopting those models. And I think that's the second stage is talking about which process models should we use. But then when they really want to transform and become better and more effective and not just have one successful innovation, but 10 or 12 or 50, that's when they really have to dig into how do our teams and leadership work? What's our culture? How can we drive an acceptance of failure, calculated failures, but still continue to take risks so that we can grow and compete. 
And then, then the next element is really sustaining that high world-class level. So in my book, this is in the transforming chapter because mm-hmm. teams, because of what we just said, really getting to that point of understanding how teams interact, the culture of the company, that's a transformative behavior for an organization and the individuals have to be able to transform themselves as well to be high functioning in a team. And so the the way that model overlaps with processes is whichever process, and you, you mentioned there's dozens and dozens of processes out there, every process has the same four steps. Generate ideas, build support for those ideas, plan a project, and then execute the work. So four steps, regardless of what what project you have. But when you can match the people's preferred work style to those different steps, you have a higher level of success. So it's not that you don't let executors generate ideas, but you might want to let the creators sort of lead that activity because that's where their energy is. Their strength is there, and they'll be very good at... um, coming up with new ideas. At some point, you have to move on. You've got to start uh, building support for those best ideas. And then at that point, when you have the support, uh, especially upper management support, funding support from your customers, from vendors and suppliers, then you'll move to creating the project plan. And that's where refiners are really good because they're analytical and can blend the conceptual with a plan, building a plan. Mm -hmm. And then you move to executing the plan, which is, of course, the executors, they want to get their hands dirty. So when you sketch this out, it ends up looking like the letter Z from moving from creators focusing on possibilities to advancers focusing on interaction, refiners focusing on the analytical, and then to executors focusing on realities. And so it looks like the letter Z, and that's where the Z model comes from. And that's the Z model that you introduced me to in the past, and that makes good sense that we're moving through these, you know, they they are our activities in the innovation process, Mm -hmm. but we're playing to the strengths of the people and recognizing that we need a team with different strengths. And if we have a team that are all executors, they're going to be a little bit out of their element when it comes to creating. Um, And if we have a team of all creators, we're going to be just loving an engagement with each other and coming up with new ideas, but we're going to have a harder time putting any of that actually into practice and taking action on it. And I've always loved the idea of playing to our strengths and having teams built around strengths. And I know there's companies that hire that way. Uh, when I've talked to the co-founder at Pendo, they hire based on strengths and they use the strength finder assessment for that. And this notion of let's build teams that have these different composites is really important. I'm interrupting the interview to share something really important. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute, but I want you to know about an extraordinary system called the Rapid Product Mastery, or RPM Experience. In just nine weeks, you can have a higher-performing product team, meeting only 75 minutes a week with no travel required. One product leader, after trying all the typical training workshops, turned to the RPM Experience to get real change for his team. He said that this is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed it to do. If you have a group of 5 to 14 product professionals, learn how you too can have a high-performing team in just 9 weeks, 75 minutes a week, without travel. 
This is the system created by Chad based on his experience working as a product leader, coaching several organizations, and deeply studying innovation during his PhD work. Get the guide for yourself at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. That's team dimensions and the, the four elements of that. And then you said you, you couple some other tools into this too. You, you mentioned DISC as one of those. I, I don't know where you want to go next with this, but tell, tell us how, what else changed with this group. Yeah, so this particular, so I, I've used this a few times. I've used it in a volunteer team where we had, because Team Dimensions is really short and quick, and it's, it's it, the debrief is much shorter than DISC as well because it's a, a real short assessment. And I was on this volunteer team and we had a tight deadline and we looked at the team dimensions and everybody, almost everyone on the team was a creator and we had Mm -hmm. this tight deadline. And so as an icebreaker, we walked through these different work style assessments and how, what people's preference were. And we said, gosh, we've only got two months to finish this, get ready for this event and this activity. But everybody kept going backwards saying, well, we could try this or we could do this. And so having the exposure to the idea that some of us prefer creating, but in the end, the whole team has to have execution. So we just said, okay, we've got to put on an execution hat and really focus on that. And that mind shift allowed us to move forward towards the deadline. This particular software development team, what we did was everybody, the eight people went through the team dimensions profile and we plot it on um, an overall graph that shows the density of work styles that fall into creator, advancer, refiner, executor. And they actually were missing a person that worked between creator and advancer. So as we talked through that, because what you just said is true, you can't just have a team all executors or in in the example of the volunteer team I had where everybody was a creator, you need to have that balance. And because they're very customer oriented, they have customer focus groups, they go out to the salons when they can and, and actually talk to all their customers and try to get that feedback. In the end, we said, you know, it's okay that you don't have somebody on that team that fills that particular role because you're getting that feedback directly mm-hmm. from your customers to fill that particular gap. But generally, you'd like to have a good distribution across the, the plot of creator, advancer, refiner, executor. Or if you don't, how do you get that that particular information and input to the team. So because they're a software company, they primarily use a Scrum methodology for development. And so Scrum is usually works from laying out a product backlog, what kind of features do we want in the product? And then they work through sprints in two to four week time periods. And then there's a deliverable, such as a line of code or a piece of market research data, something like that. So we went through, and first they were a very, very open team. And they all were readily wanting to share their work style, which is actually, it's a confidential piece of information. Mm -hmm. And so I said, do you guys want to share? And they're like, oh yeah, we can share. And they had worked together for so long that they were pointing and saying, oh, you must be that style. You must be that style. And that was really cool because they could go through that kind of people reading exercise and and get to that very quickly. For example, we, we did this by video conference and they were having lunch during the meeting. And this lady, Tanya, 
walked in and I knew in advance that she was an advancer focusing on interactions and she's really good at, would be very good at customer interactions. But as the people walked into the room, she was focusing on that, that people orientation and interactions saying, Hey, did you, did you get your sandwich? Oh, I know you're a vegetarian. Here's the vegetarian sandwiches. So she was very caring and empathetic for the people, which is exactly what an advancer is and is really good at focusing from an innovation standpoint on what our our customer needs and bringing those back in. So as we worked through the steps, so in backing up to Scrum, then there are certain artifacts and meetings that are traditional in Scrum. So we have to prune the backlog. We have to create a list of, of tags of what we should follow, what are the accomplishments we can do during this sprint, etc. And so we went through each of those steps and we said, who, what role on the team should be doing these particular steps? So is that a role for a creator or is that a role for an advancer or a refiner? And so we went through each of those activities and they said, you know, we worked through it and said, this is a role for creator, this is advancer, blah, blah, blah. And then we went through and said, okay, so we know Tanya is is more advancer, sort of advancer executor. We know Ben is a a refiner. We know there were two Andrews. Uh, So we had an Andy and an Andrew. (laughs) One of the Andrew was an executor and Andy was actually a flexor. It's a very, very rare role Hmm. that somebody can kind of just take on whatever role they need, but that, that's very rare. But he, he actually was the supervisor of the group, which makes a really a a nice fit. leadership story. And so they, they went through and said, this is the role for each of these people. And we found that there were some mismatches. So we found that one of the people that really likes doing detail heads down work, which would be executor role, was put into a position of talking to customers. And so we could swap out those roles and get people into a position where they were better aligned. We also found there were some really good matches between people and the role that they had. And so we worked, we, we went through the, the workflow step by step by step and said, this is the, the role that should be leading this. And again, it goes back to really generating ideas, building support, creating a plan, and then, and then executing that plan, whether you're using Scrum or StageGate or whatever innovation process. So assigning those roles, they were able to increase communication, increase speed to market, but of course they work with salons and so then COVID hit. And so, you know, things are a little, a little off right changed. now, but I, I think things are going to continue on a, on a nice pathway. So that was, that was the story. And it was really cool to see people say, I understand that I have this preferred work style mm-hmm. and now I know why it's a struggle for me to do something that is way outside of what I like to do. I, I'm an executor. I like to keep my head down and do coding, but you've asked me to go talk to customers and that's hard for me. Mm-hmm. And I have more coding in my, my day-to-day life. And the people that this lady, Tanya, that was clearly an advancer, they had her doing some of the pruning of the backlog, which was boring to her, frankly. So they got her more in front of customers and building those customer insights, bringing market data into the team. And so it's it's a really cool story, I think. 
what I love there is the alignment that you were able to achieve through this process. And I think there's many teams, many everyday innovators listening right now that say, man, I'd love just to have this conversation with my team. You know, are you doing the things that you enjoy doing? And of course, it's work. There's always some aspects that, you know, just don't appeal to us. But are you, are you in that role that really gives you a place where you find fulfillment? And this provides structure to that conversation. Say, okay, let, let's do a little analysis, see what our work styles are, you know, where, where you kind of fit in these different work styles. And then how does that align to the work that you're doing? And I think so many of us would just welcome being part of that conversation so we can try to better design roles for ourselves that are better fits. And in the end, the team performance increases, which means the organization performance increases. So a very worthwhile activity to do. So focus around these team dimensions and you use the, the, what you introduce as the Z model, you know, those four roles of creator, advancers, refiners, and executors. And sound like a really good outcome for them. Any update on the team now or, or, or further reflections just on what this meant to them? Yeah, so some of the things they said, I have to read these. One guy said most of the team was male. So I'm not, and I'm from the Northwest, so guys are just people. (laughs) I have begun to talk and respond to my coworkers differently. That's a huge outcome for innovation. Make use of the different work styles to more effectively communicate with my coworkers. Again, communication is so important for innovation. Good job of helping us find ways to tie into our existing process and encapsulate people or steps in the process, which is, again, tying what we like to the work that we do. And I I have been puzzled my whole life of why employers don't do that, because happy workers are more productive workers. And I just that puzzles me for has puzzled me forever. So I like to be able to help people overcome that barrier. And I like this one, too. I know who I can leverage for help when I find myself struggling with a task. Again, that goes back to, I don't know how to do this job. It may not be within my comfort zone. Now I know who has that work style that can Mm -hmm. help me um, do that particular task. So it's a super simple model. And once you learn some of these behaviors, you can start to people read and, and they already had guessed who had what work style. And so it's, it's helpful. One of the people said, not only does this help me understand my coworkers, but when I went home, I understood how my spouse worked better. Mm. And so instead of having, you know, any kind of challenge at home, now we can talk to each other differently. I thought that was a huge um, outcome as well to take it home and understand how people work outside of work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it helped that individual a lot. Just think about their other relationships too. I, I think these are essential aspects of team building and teams need to think about the different work styles involved. I know way back earlier in my career, I got exposed to the uh, Myers-Briggs type indicator, right, as an assessment. So different sort sort of thing, but, you know, leadership specialists came in and did it for the team and it was such an eye-opening experience to just realize, oh, we don't all think the same way. Right. And, and as an engineer, that was new to me. Right. The, and I knew there was before there was tension between me and certain people. And frankly, I just didn't appreciate their ideas. I, I kind of found my interactions with them a waste of time. And after oh, this ahead. experience, I, I just, let me uh, say this part. After that experience, they became my favorite people to interact with because I re- recognize they helped me think differently. Right. So what I like about these assessments, the team dimensions and DISC versus Myers-Briggs, Myers-Briggs is a personality assessment. And so that's kind of who we are, maybe in our core. 
But these work style assessments, team dimensions and DISC, are who we are at work. Mm-hmm. And I think we're sort of, all of us have a little bit multi-personality disorder or order because who we are at work and we can stretch into sure. those different work styles if we need to. And who we are at home is different. Who we are at church or at leisure, those are all different kind of personalities. And I like that this focuses on work style mm-hmm. and behaviors we have at work versus just who we are. Because Myers-Briggs is very enlightening, but I think it puts some limitations on us saying, oh, you're an introvert or you have this is how you make decisions. But I think this team dimensions, it helps people stretch and understand how the other team members work. So I like Myers-Briggs for uh, kind of self-awareness, but I like these assessments for team awareness and building better communication in a team. Yeah, all these tools, right? That was my experience. And the I, the work dimensions, the disk tools, the point for me is they just help us recognize that we are different and that means we probably interact differently with each other too. And like you said, on your volunteer team, them all being creators, even just recognizing that and saying, okay, we're at the stage now where we have to execute. Kind of let everyone, you know, have that light bulb moment go off, I suspect, and say, okay, we yeah. need to approach this differently now because of this other factor, this constraint we have. Right? So. So, many, so much goodness about this and helping to align people to the work and recognizing that we need different kinds of activities. And that means different kinds of, of roles and work styles fit better in innovation projects. So, excellent. You know, I'm going to ask you for a quote here in a moment. Anything you want to wrap up on the case study before I do? No, I just, I, I was really pleased that this made a difference in their communication because they were starting mm-hmm. to see a little bit of conflict from the rapid growth. And this kind of gave them a way to communicate beyond those conflicts. So okay. that was that was a, a really good outcome, I think. And then I think when teams can work together like this, they can increase speed to market, which is one of our key goals in innovation. Yes, it is. And it works better when, as you said, everyone is happy as well. And uh, we do better work and we do better work for our customers. Good. Before I ask you for that quote, you mentioned your book and that this uh, team dimension tools talked about in there. And I imagine there might be some other resources in that book in addition to just that. But for people that want to explore this team dimensions a little bit, probably your book is a good place to go. I don't know if there's other resources you would share with us. Tell us how to find those resources. Yeah. So uh, my website is www.globalnpsolutions.com. And the NP, of course, stands for new products. And if your listeners would like to contact me, I will offer them one Team Dimensions profile per company and 30-minute complimentary coaching session if they would like to contact me. And my email is Teresa at globalnpsolutions.com. And that's Teresa with no H. (laughs) That would be a the Risa. (laughs) Got it. And I'll make sure those links are in the show notes. And as listeners know, and as you know, I love innovation quotes. What's the quote you have for us? And tell us what that one means to you. Yeah, so I for today, I'm not sure this is a 100% innovation quote, it might be Mm -hmm. more business. But I think what really applies to our discussion today is the Peter Drucker quote that culture eats strategy Mm. for breakfast. So, and that was how I got into teams and leadership because I had seen, and and we had this discussion that I had seen that that processes, procedures, policies, templates, checklists, that's all very helpful, but you really have to build an open communication and, and, and build that culture to be successful with innovation or business in the long run. Yep. I, I still remember where I am in the office sitting at my desk um, and turning to the page 
and I, I'm thinking it was Fast Company, but that may be completely wrong, right? Where I first saw this article talked about, and I went, oh, I, th- th- this is brilliant, right? And I had to go get my hands on the original article um, because it just resonated with me that culture is indeed so important. And I, I like that someone was writing about that aspect, that culture does indeed make the difference. I consider it the secret sauce for organizations. And these sort of tools, like you just shared and the work that you did in this case study of helping people better align with the work that needs to get done, uh, it contributes to the culture too, right? So it works well. I appreciate you sharing that quote for us. Sure. Okay. One more time for people that want to find resources, it is globalnpsolutions.com. Yes. And I have a blog post up about team dimensions as well, if people want to dig into that. And then in chapter four of my book, The Innovation Answer Book, it takes, um, it takes you all the way through transforming a team from just learning to adopting, transforming, and then sustaining innovation over the long run, uh, which includes team dimensions, disc profile, five behaviors, and situational leadership. And anyone that wants to reach out to you at Teresa at GlobalNPSolutions.com, one free Teams Dimensions Assessment per company, and you said a half-hour consulting to, to discuss all that. Yep, absolutely. That, that's excellent. So thank you for making that offer available, and thanks again for joining the Everyday Innovators. Oh, Chad, it's a pleasure to talk with you and to be one of your guests because you have some really amazing guests on Everyday Innovator. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Everyday Innovator, where product leaders and managers make their move to product master by gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so that you can create products that customers love. You'll find the written details of everything we discussed with Teresa at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 303. Also, you'll find there a one-page PDF to help you take action on the concepts. We just call it the action guide. Hope you go check it out. As always, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.